and you're very welcome to episode 12 of the second season of LOI Weekly with Johnny Ward, uh, myself and Daniel MacDonald. And today we are joined by Des Kern and Owen Heary. And as ever, we're on Podcast Republic. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, at LOI Weekly on Twitter. And uh, we're in association with Airsport and Independent.ie. Uh, Des Kern, firstly, get to you. Obviously, you're post-injury, you're, you're, you're recuperating. Flying it. Yeah. Six weeks flying it. Yeah, absolutely. From the cruise here, from the cruise here. Cruise ligament injury. Yes, all going well though. In the physio, four days a week now. Practically semi-professional at this stage. How many teammates can you think of your top of your head on who did their cruise at some stage? A lot. God, only two I'd say. Top of my head. Who were they? All the years. Can't remember who they were. Probably made I done it to them, but teammates. Is it very sore? The first two, no, no, the first, the first two days were great. And I thought, this is, this is what's everyone complaining about. But I think then the good medication wore off. And then the, the next two weeks were, were very unpleasant. But once I got off the crutches and started moving, everything went well. And I was into the physio after a week. And I'll just mention them, actually. They're the Pats physios out in, out in Lucan, out in the performance clinic. Who's Lee, that? Uh, Lee Van Haften and Mark uh, Keneally, the former Irish runner, long-distance yeah. runner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, great lads. And um, so I'm in there. Um, about, yeah, the last, so it's six weeks now, so four weeks proper in there, and it's all, it's going well, yeah. And you were playing over 35s, which Owen asked you about <laughs> before we got on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was playing proper soccer, as I'd call it, up to uh, a year ago, April, and then I I'd, I'd tore my calf, and then, so the, the 35 season, as Owen will tell you, runs March to November, so I sort of missed half of that, and I just got back, and I played two games um, and we were like about to win the league, and then and we ended up did did, did win the league anyway. Um, but I just landed awkwardly, and the thing went, and that was it. So out for the year. And uh, Johnny Dunleavy, who's had his cruciate injuries, um, I suppose uh, tales to tell. He's nearing his return, Dan. Very close, I believe, to uh, to well, returning yeah, to the fold, which is good news. Yeah, you speak to him six to eight times a day, Johnny. So you're probably better placed. To yeah, we're me. trying to land a big coup later on. Right, horse. Okay, okay. Owen Heary, though, it's great to have you on. You're, nobody can see you, but you're in your shells attire. Um, put on a bit of weight since you were on the show last week. Pleasure, Johnny. Nice to be back. <laughs> What's the crack with you? I oh. saw you playing against Galway lately. In good oh, shape on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was distraught that night. You should be happy. I mean, after that insulting intro, you yeah. ruined yeah, his weekend. And I saw, actually, your mother was in the bar afterwards. I was like, how do I know that lady? And then it brought me back to uh, very drunken conversations with her and you just after you were announced as a Sligo manager, which would be when Galway got promoted. It's three or four years ago now. Yeah. But uh, there was a good atmosphere in Talca that night. Like, for a club that's been maligned a lot, there was a great uh, buzz in the bar afterwards. Decent crowd. How are things at Shells? Obviously, you're moving on with the new CEO and all that. Yeah, things are going very well. As you say, new CEO in, new investor in. So the club is progressing nicely. It's uh, we're still a long way to go, but you know it's small st- uh, small steps now at the moment. But hopefully in the future, you know, you see us back in the Premier and you know further down the line, probably challenging at some stage. There was a f- there was a fans meeting last night. Were you there on? Yeah, you? I was there. Yeah, yeah. And what was the the mood like? Because I know. Um, I guess it, it's been a fraught time in Shells in some ways that some fans have been unhappy with the direction and Daily Mount and so on. And I think there have been attempts to try maybe and address that. What was the general mood like in, in the room last night from, from it was, your perspective? It was quite good because the fans asked the questions and uh, the new investor, uh, Andrew, there was, was honest enough and he was open enough. And any questions that he asked, he answered. You know, he wasn't hiding anything. He wasn't telling tales. He was just telling us straight the way it is. And, you know, fans, that's all fans want to hear. Who's Andrew, by the way? Andrew, Andrew is, uh, is the new investor. Andrew Doyle's the new investor into the club. He's, uh, 
he was on the Rovers board a couple of months ago, going back. He was only on it for a short term, and now he's uh, he's invested his majority shareholder in in Shelbourne. So he's the he's the main man there now at the moment. His son was involved with Rovers, was he or something? Yeah, like his that? son played for UCD and involved with, with Rovers. He also played for Shells as a schoolboy as well. So, um, you know, he's he's really interested in football, and I know people are saying, well, why would you invest in League of Ireland clubs? Because it's you know, there's no money to be gained, but it's just a passion for him. It's not a, he's not looking to make money out of, he's not looking to do build houses on the ground or anything like that. It's just a passion that he wants to give back to, to sport. I, I, I don't, sorry, Dan, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but I actually think investing in League of Ireland Club is not the daftest thing at all. I think if you can um, put in a reasonable structure and you could potentially sell a player for good money or you could get into Europe and the wages in Ireland aren't that big, really, in, if you, in comparative terms, I don't think it's the daftest thing in the world. It's not, I mean, you know, you touch on about selling players and things. He wants to, you know, get the schoolboys up and running properly. He wants the girls' teams to be going properly, the national girls' teams, the force teams. So he wants the infrastructure to be to be in a, to go the right way. And he wants facilities the way Shamrock Rovers have new, you know, roadstone. So he wants all that and he's looking to invest in that and build it from there up. It's not one that's coming in and saying, here's loads of money put into the force team and try to win you like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's but it's DCU these, these is a big part of it. And massive, yeah, I, massive. I gather that, I mean, a big part of it, there's a community aspect, but football-wise, there's almost an attempt to to make DCU and Shells a version of UCD almost on the south side in terms yeah. of scholarships and players. Is that... That that's part of the vision that you've been you've been given as yeah because you look at UCD and you know over the years we've all tried to tempt players off UCD but they're on scholarships you can't touch them you can't get them yeah so for us we're trying to get the best young players in scholarships are there to help that and and even for for girls or, you know for the school girls to come through as well that scholarship is not just for for males it's for anyone that wants to uh, invest in them to become better footballers yeah is it Maynooth and Pats of a, a similar sort of arrangement yeah, going a, on I and think so I'm not 100% what way it works but I remember trying to sign a player and he was gone to Pats because of Maynooth you know, and he's, yeah. he's now because I know like Sean Hoare, Darren Markey, oh, out Jamie, there a I think it was Jamie McGrath, maybe with Jamie that McGrath as well. was there as well. Yeah, it was definitely a couple. Yeah, yeah Rory Feely at the time. Yeah, was who we were trying to sign, but he went to Minute, and you can understand that. So for us, DCU was a is a big part of trying to attract young players. Mm. We can get to lots of all these issues later on in the show because uh, Dan, as you pointed out, we're in a good position in this podcast now. We can actually review two rounds of games because of our time and on a Wednesday and as you said uh, in the lift here if we talked about Shamrock Rovers after last weekend's games we'd have a different narrative to we actually well yeah well maybe more so Cork and Dundalk I and Cork the whole lot actually I mean Rovers by all accounts played well in Derry last Friday um, but you know coming you know coming back up the road from Cork last Friday uh, you know, when Cork bets and Doc, and I think there might have been a couple of tweets in saying, you know, how do you feel about that, Johnny Ward, and all of this? And and yet now, on Monday, we're sitting here, and now the Dock are back top of the table again when you thought that Friday was like a big move for Cork. It was going to maybe get their season going a small bit, and then they get done 3 0 on, on Monday night, and the Dock score five, and it's almost like it didn't happen. But mm. it did happen, and I still think, you know, the Dock's inability to get a result and to really play in Turner's Cross like they have elsewhere is a compliment to Cork and it's something the Doc have to address. They didn't play well enough really to get a result in the game. Compliment to the pitch as well, which is Yeah, but I, I mean, bad, I wouldn't, like. yeah, but I wouldn't overplay that. I mean, the pitch in the Doc, you know, has been brought up at times by opposing teams too. Uh, I, I still think the Doc can play better and Cork close them down and really, I mean, you look at guys like Michael Duffy running riot on, on Monday and who's looked fantastic all season and I mean Cork did a job on him pretty well and you can go through the other players but um, there's a lot yeah there's a lot going on across these double rounds of fixtures and there's no time for anyone to sort of bask in the glory of any result it's 
you know, it could be all gone sort of three days mm. later. I mean, I don't know what you make of it, Owen, as a, you know, as a, I know you're at Leinster Senior Cup game this week, and but as a first division manager, your schedule isn't as intensive. What, what do you make from almost outside looking in at this run of games that they've, they've got going on here? Yeah, it's, there's a, you know, it's a fair amount of games that's getting thrown at them. And I think the problem for managers is, you know, with injuries, whether suspensions, but the main thing is how do you work on your shape, your, you know, set piece, whatever it is when you're going Coaching. to play. Yeah, yeah, how are you going to coach? So you're saying they're playing Dundalk. You're obviously going to play a different way against Dundalk than you would against Waterford, say. So it's trying to get that coach in mode and tell them, right, this is how we're going to shape up. It's very hard to do when it's only two days between, two, three yeah. days between the game. I was listening to um, Stephen Bradley um, speaking after the, the game against Cork and it was put to him about this you know, front-loaded, as it's called, um, fixture list. And he said, look, we all knew about it at the start. We all have to go ahead and deal with it. But... I would suggest that you know they're in a better position and Cork and Dundalk are in a better position than some other clubs who do not have the squad to deal with this. Yeah. You, look, you look at Bray and you know, Bray are much talked about, but you look at who they've had missing, say, through injuries alone in recent weeks. and like, it's, it's a killer of a job to try and get a team out on a Friday and a Monday and maybe again on a Friday. And if you, as you said, you're trying to work on something during the week, those lads might need to be off the pitch and away but from training and recovering not only that, to try and get ready. They're probably in work the next morning. Yeah. Like mm. the full-time teams is grand. You can go to the pool the next morning. They're, they're lying in bed. They're eating properly. If a fella's up at five o'clock the next morning and then he's to try to go to train that night. Should we not be rewarding start. the full-time teams though in a way? Yeah, no, I'm saying it, it's, it suits them mm. because of that. But, you know, not every team is full-time. So it's hard to adjust when a player has to go up for work and then go training and then try to get ready for a match. Mentally, it's tough. As a Cork manager, were like that as well. I, that I, they were a totally different team Monday to Friday. Yeah, like. and I think the point that must be made as well, and I have huge sympathy for the, the part-time clubs, and it, it's harsh, but I mean, I think you will find that it's generally the part-time clubs that would have angled for the smaller, shorter mm. season that has created... Um, this fixture logjam I think some of the other clubs would prefer a longer season so I huge sympathy with the players and the management but there's a they may have to talk to their clubs as well and say well could we work this you know could we whenever there's a next a general league meeting about this could you then say well actually we can do 44 weeks or 40 or, or whatever it is because but um, clubs don't want to pay then do they is, but they don't want to pay that's that ultimately the, the reason wages. they ultimately yeah. don't want to pay but you know to me there comes a point where you have to have a bit of I suppose self-confidence in terms of what you can do because the Friday night crowds this year have been very good um and you take Bose as an example, whose crowds have been, I think, very good. Uh, I mean, and, and they still had, I think, 1,500 at the game against Waterford on Monday night. But I'm sure if that had been a Friday game, there would have been more. Yeah. You know, and you'd like to think that these midweek grounds, you will realise that over the course of time, um, you could balance the books a bit better by, by having the fixtures face I, I, I understand. I, I mean, Bray or someone, I mean, their crowds are so <laughs> poor anyway. <laughs> you know, they're Bray, in a different Bray have situation. issues off the pitch. Yeah. Like I, I brought a mate, to my, a mate of mine to the match on Monday night. He'd never been to League of Ireland game before, and he said, "Geez, that was great atmosphere." And I was like, "That was a really flat compared to Friday night." The Rovers, Cork no, game. there was nineteen hundred at the Rovers mm, Cork game. That should have been about five thousand. Really, well, like. I mean, even even if you're conservative and say that, that when Shamrock Rovers played Sligo Rovers a couple of weeks back, not a glamour game, there was like three thousand at that mm. game. So. Um, I mean, it's, it is costing clubs money on these specific fixtures in terms of... Yeah, because the, 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 the opposite fixture was on a Monday On a Monday as well. well. I, mean, Cork, I mean, Cork, in fairness to them, have still been getting great crowds mm. Monday, Tuesday, but still still below what they're... They're still losing 3,000 people from one game to the yeah. you know, to the next in, in the strange Let, way. Let's so. go through results anyway. So, um, Cork won, Dundalk nil, Watford won, Sligo won, Pats 2, Bows 2. Uh, I was at most of that game. Derry nil, Sligo nil, 
Bray nil, Limerick won. Big win for Limerick there. And then Monday night, the, uh, Bowes nil, Watford won. Um, played a game of ball with Rory O'Connor earlier, Dan, and uh, spoke to another Bowes fan this morning. Apparently battered Watford, but lost one nil. It's becoming a bit of a yeah. It really, it really mm. is. In fact, we've talked about hugely it impressive um, play by Bowes, but not scoring enough. Uh, Dundalk five, Pats nil. Couldn't believe that result actually. Limerick nil, Derry three. Uh, Sligo two, Bray one. Big, big win for Sligo. And the game we were both at, then Rovers 3, Corknell. Uh, I'll start with you, Des. We, we can go through the, the whole lot together, really. Well, I was at the... the were thoughts, you were talking yeah? about Bows and Pats there. I was at that one as well. And uh, I thought Pats were excellent in the first half. I think um, there are certain players, you know, I like watching in the league. Uh, Dara Markey's definitely one of them. Um, so he's isn't everything. Exactly. And I think, I think you know, Liam was, was talking before. I remember talking to Liam before. And he said, if you can just add a few more goals now to his game. Because, like, he's, he's so good on the ball and that. I thought he was excellent in the game. A lot of talk about Jamie Lennon this year as well. He maybe had one of his quieter nights, but a young guy making a breakthrough. But Pats were so good up until the sending off. Um, which... You know, if you're going by players' reactions, it probably was a second yellow card and he was off. I thought it was. like, Because yeah, I thought, yeah. and looking back on it as well, there really seems to be minimal contact. This is yeah. the Ryan Brennan yeah. dive as now, such. Now, in fairness, he'd, he'd, he'd committed a yellow card offence very shortly beforehand. Yeah. And I was looking at the game and I was like, Pats are in control here. They really looked in control and everything changed with sending off. And, yeah. and, and, and it, you, you, you'd be annoyed at Ryan Brennan if, if it were the case that there was simulation. And you, yeah, I suppose you would, but more so because it turned the game. And Keith Long said that afterwards as well. But I think, again... And and, you know, you talk about players who have impressed you this season. I think the way, and he wasn't as effective in the first half when Pats had more bodies maybe around him, but the way Dylan Watts we need to talk about played him. in that second half, he just, he drove them forward mm. and he just has this way about him where he can hit that, you know, diagonal ball 40, 50 yards mm. without breaking stride, without even, you know, almost even there looking was, like it's on. He knows it's there. There was an instance where he did that in the second half, and typically enough now, I'm, I'm a, bit, a bit frustrated with Soccer Republic, they didn't show it, because it was brilliant, brilliant play. He played a ball across the pitch, all the way across, I think, to Buckley, who was right back. Buckley, without first touch, in play, and went for a 1-2 and got it back, and they were through on goal, just like that. Yeah, like, it was the move of the match. The move of the match yeah. didn't show in Soccer Republic, um, which is, is a recurring enough theme with the show, where they, they don't really edit the highlights, I think, properly, but... <laughs> Best player in the league at the moment, I would say. <laughs> yeah, for me anyway. I, 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 think, I think he is. He is. I, I it's just, a bit harsh in the boy own is sometimes involved, players involved with that. You're just, just slaughtering people there. They don't. There's, there's they, an element of yeah. professionalism involved. You said you weren't even at the full Pats Bowes game. Your phone went off five minutes ago. I mean, we all make mistakes. Yeah, I, I didn't in, say in, I don't make mistakes, but I, I was actually on uh, RT's game on and I could only get there for, uh, you know, I got a taxi straight to the. On match. RT's game on and he just come on and slaughter yeah. RT now. What do you make of Dylan Watts on? Yeah, he's a good player. I remember him when he was playing with UCD and that before he went over, and he he was talented then. So for him to to do what he's doing now at the moment in, in the higher league in the Premier League, it shows you that the quality that he has, and he's having a terrific season. It's just unfortunate that their yeah. results aren't matching that you play. Know, you look at it; they've one point. I think from four games is it since they, they won the derby out in Tala. For as good as they're playing. Now, the one positive I would say is that Dini Corcoran appears to be getting back to full fitness from what I understand, that there was a bit of an issue pre-season. He had a bit of a something that wasn't right and he appears to be getting there now. And I thought it was very interesting that Keith Long said he got a touch on the second goal. Right, give me a confidence. You know, I, I, I was there at the time. I had no idea who scored it. There were so many bodies in there. It, it's, it, it came out that it was Kevin Devaney. Um, well, that was a slight soccer public issue to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I think from Keith Long's <laughs> yeah, point of view, it's a good bit of management as well because if you're a striker and you know he hasn't started every game Owen Stokes has been playing as well you know if you just 
tell your striker, yeah, you, you know, if you think you got the touch, you, it, it's not Harry Kane-ish, no, but you know, you got the goal, yeah, it's, it's your goal. Like. And it's another one for him, and then, you know, there's progression, hopefully, they'll the, be thinking. Let's talk about um, Dinny, though. Owen Stokes, like, missed an, like I would have scored it, basically, and uh, he's mm. he's actually, he looks like a lad that needs a goal as well to me. He's a good player, but he, he needs a goal. Like. I'm but wondering where his best position I, is. He comes I, deep I, a lot as if well. If he like. comes off, off the right, or, you know, Keith Ward, I mean, you can tell us about Keith Ward, Owen, as well, yeah. who good at players. They've got so many of those good, They've good, lot of technical good players. players yeah. yeah, they have a lot of technical players and who probably don't score as much as they should do and that's why they're, they're missing Dini to, to get those goals we think last year Dini's I think he was up 15 16 yeah. goals mm-hmm. so it shows you if they're missing that striker they had young Swan as well that they signed the start of the year who ended that up was unlucky the, I think uh, that was yeah. so they're missing the strikers and Dini has been struggling I think in pre-season he had a knock and he just yeah. hasn't quite recovered from it yet but I think once he gets there once he gets there to build and if he gets one or two goals then he'll start moving on and Kevin Devaney coming into form as well is a big thing for, for yeah. goals yeah. It's interesting. I mean, we did speak about it though with, with Trevor Crotty a couple of weeks ago that they are playing quite well at the moment not getting results they're going to have a patch where they don't play that well you know and then you just yeah. wonder about this just need to play Rovers every week <laughs> yeah this is the thing I mean well, the good thing with the 10 team uh, the 10 team league is I think Rovers there's not a Rovers game coming up in a couple of weeks yeah. time yeah. They, can, you know, they can maybe get, them, three go, points get them going again <laughs> but it, it is you know they can't always play this well you know they're going to have yeah. a stage where you know things our teams figure them out a bit or whatever it might be that you're just worried like that. I mean sometimes where are the points when you, when you coming don't from? play well is when you win yeah that's you true know? so sometimes or it, it might come in a period happen. of the season where you're running into teams who aren't playing well themselves you know it, yeah. just, it, it might work out for them it's but interesting the one thing I was going to say but you mentioned about Markey and we said on to Watts that like it is interesting like the development of the league this year and I don't know how it would have been when you were playing it was probably a slightly older league maybe in terms of the, the Premier Division and I, I say this you know yeah, the average age yeah. at the moment now was, would no doubt be lower than you know but you look around Dublin at the moment if you're going to go to watch teams on a Friday night right you've got you go to Bowes where you've got Watts you've Lunny involved as well Pats, yeah Pats but particularly midfielders like central midfielders Pats you look at um, Lennon you've got Markey you watch Aaron Bulger James play for, you watch, you watch, yeah, you watch Aaron Bulger play for Rovers on Monday night there's not a young it's a different type of player like these young technical players that you would have assumed there would have been a time where they wouldn't have been up to it. I don't know, physically up to yeah. it or whatever, but they're, I, I don't know, is it a change? Like, do you watch Premier Division football? Yeah, now? There, I think there, it's is, hugely there, there is a lot of young players coming through, but I mean, you flip that around to the, the top teams, Cork, Waterford and that, and you see the senior players, like Paul Keegan playing for yeah. Waterford, you know, and that's how they're getting results as well because they're experienced players that allow the younger players to get on and do, do you know what, what they t- do. Two so. weeks ago, I, I sat down and maybe had a bit too much time in my hands, but I was trying to work out, We were it was ahead of one of our live games. It was the Bowes team actually working out an average age for them. And I went through, say, the last round of games for all 10 teams to see just an average age just to work it a out. A lot and of actually, time in your hands. The youngest. That's the cruciate prepar- preparation, Johnny. for you. It's, pre- the, ah. it's preparation, Johnny. You have to, you have to have the prep done. Preparation. Sligo had the youngest um, of the 11 and, and the top two as you were mentioning there it's the experience the top two Cork and Dundalk had the the, uh, the highest average age mm. what was the average at Sligo can you oh, remember do you know they did a very very young back I didn't know that night it was 22 that, yeah. Yeah. 22 and Cork and Dundalk were around the 26 mark yeah. I, it's usually promising I think the I think the Far better pitches make it easier for them players than playing in real mud, like uh, being slight back yeah, in your day when it's winter t- football. Like. But I also think the experienced lads know how to win games, even mm. when they're not playing well. You know, Dundalk and Cork have showed that, and even Waterford this year haven't played well, and yet they go and beat Bowles. Yeah. So they are still the top. Yeah, they are still the teams that are going to win the league. Win the league. Yeah, yeah. Dan, let, let's talk about uh, Cork City's couple of games anyway. Uh, massive contrast here. 
What were your thoughts? How do you, you, feel, were, how do you feel about it, Johnny? I'm not sure I, if Owen's realised that you know that Johnny would be like... Uh, Myself and Owen will step out here for Johnny's a few minutes. Johnny's loved, loved <laughs> by Cork fans for his... Uh, for said their their disservice to their performing a disservice to football, I think it was, with their style of play. I don't think they're playing... Which, which, so we got, a lot of, we got a couple of messages in after the Cork, Cork and Dock game going, Cork. they've showed you. But they hadn't really showed they you because they won ugly. It was a bad you know? game. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, was, it was a bad game. Now, people, I, I'd obviously come from the Pats game and I knew this was going to be very enjoyable because they, they play football and a, on a good pitch as well in Inchicore in fairness and then I went home and I said like should I watch this now you know I've obviously not much going on either in my life um, not, not me neither not that you don't <laughs> I had too much time I'd on my hands on. sorry you actually do notwithstanding your injury so I watched it and it wasn't quite as bad as everyone said on Twitter but like you know it wasn't pretty like in fairness but then so three days later they come out to Tala against on a nice surface playing a team who are passing the ball around and they were absolutely outplayed on Monday night in my yeah. view now there was an element maybe of fatigue but no, I don't really buy that because Rovers had gone to Derry Rovers and got a nil on draw, Derry tenor, which, and, and, and dominated the game. Um, Bradley said they could have won five nil, which is a little bit of a stretch because it was nil all really. Like you know. Yeah. Anyway, in any event, so what do you make of Dundalk over the course of, oh, Cork, uh, of Cork brother over the last week? Where, what have know. we learned? I think there's an element of definitely there was two different types of games, and they probably did put a lot. In. I don't think the fatigue angle stacks up when Rovers had to come back from Derry. But maybe Cork did put a lot into the Dundalk game and maybe mentally, and listen to John Caulfield afterwards, I thought some of his comments were interesting that players need to develop the consistency and that part of, you know, in fairness on Friday night, I thought, try and judge a game sometimes by the last 15, 20 minutes. It wasn't as if Dundalk were really hammering the door down and creating chances. Like, Cork worked really hard. But then on Monday, you watched the first goal. Uh, okay, Berker was brilliant skill, but, you know, he got to the ball ahead of McCormick. He had a lot of space. You know, there was a bit of complacency that on Friday, no dog player got into that into that pocket of space at all, really, in the match. And Cork were completely at it. And I don't know, was it mental fatigue that they that that Caulfield felt that some players after Monday, after Friday, sorry, just just weren't tuned in like they could have been. I think what, what I think is interesting about Cork, they've lost three games away from home this year, um, to to Dundalk, to Waterford. To uh, to Rovers and also uh, drawn in Con- Limerick. Conor McCormick has been taken off mm. either before half time or at half time in two of those games. He was taken off way in Waterford. Um, you know the the midfield players that on Friday, you know, sort of you know McCormick and Morrissey were were really busy and you know Dundalk didn't get any real joy in that area. On Monday they were sort of outplayed and uh, in Waterford I thought they were outplayed uh, by Buckley was the brilliant on Friday night, but he was a lot quieter on Monday yeah. night. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, they, there was, they, they weren't at it, you know, in any, in any same way. But I don't know. It was a bit uninspiring. I would, in I would suggest that when you look at the three goals they conceded, that maybe there's an, an element of the mental fatigue in the three goals because it was two of them from two set, set pieces, pieces Ethan yeah. Boyle at, at the near post. And own, I mean, you tell us the frustration conceding those goals. But now I think the interesting one is they've Limerick at home on Saturday. Saturday, because of the Ed Sheeran concert on and, Friday. And here, here's the thing. Um, when a team I is going well, didn't you know that actually. <laughs> when a team is going well, you know you can't go to a manager and say if you're not playing, I should be playing. But now, if you look, you've got Alan Bennett, you've got Aaron Barry, um, Griffin if he's fit, Carl Shepherd, and Stephen Beatty. Mm. And I think all of them now will be thinking, okay, now's my chance. I I can go to the manager and say, look, we were we were well beaten the other night. Now I should be starting. So I think it's a very interesting selection for John Coffey, particularly defensively. Because he's put his faith in the young guys, Colin Horgan, Colin McCarthy, uh, Conor McCarthy, Sean McLaughlin, and Danny Kane. And if he picks them again, it's a vote of confidence in them to say, look, we had a bad night, we can go and fix it. 
or will he go back to his experienced players? Mm. Yeah. Kane, Kane was taken off at halftime. I think he it's, might have been injured. You certainly wonder about Bennett. Will he mm. be tempted to? Because, I mean, there was a big... I, said, I was very... I mean, Bennett was on the bench on Friday and you would have thought he might have been tempted to go with, with Bennett. And then I don't know what you would do with McCarthy and with Lachlan. Would you t- which one would you take out or what way you would look at it? But well, they kept a run of... Was it four clean sheets? Four clean sheets since, since Waterford, like yeah. That. And Barry seems to have fallen a small bit out of favour, mm. you know, for who was their big winter signing in that area. But... Um, I know McCarthy can play at fullback too. I mean, there is options he has there, and it seems like Horgan has done quite well actually yeah. the last couple of games. But maybe he might just feel that bit of presence might be required. That I wonder, like, is he going to stick with that two young centre halves? Yeah. What would you, do? What would you do on in that situation? Definitely put the experienced player back in. You would, yeah, because I think now because they've conceded three against Rovers and they're going out again in a game that little bit of nerves might come in where they might concede another one, and all of a sudden it's a bit panicky. Whereas if you have an experienced player in beside him might help the younger players and push them on then so that actually happened to us this year where we had the younger player playing kept four or five clean sheets the same and then he went out and we conceded two goals and a sort of a nervousness how do you talk to him then when you're letting him out you just explain to him you know the reasons for it like you know you're you're taking him out not uh, not for the way he's he's playing you know the way he's playing is doing well he just needs to take a step back have a look at it again and then you try to get him back into the team like so but you have your experienced players who probably just missed out because of injury and they're coming back and I think uh, that vital as well, especially up that end of the table. You're more a modern manager than compared to some managers of the past who might have said, right, young you're just gone. Gone, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, you're, on the, you're in the stand, you're in the bench, whatever it is. There's no, there's no explanation, but now you yeah. give them an explanation. And they understand it. It's not, they don't go up and say, oh, X, Y, and Z. It's, they understand the reason behind it, you know, that they can have a look at it and see what's going on. Yeah, look, that's it. Is it important even just to take them out for the odd game just to... Let them just, I don't know, have yeah, a think, think about so. things and think review so, yeah. things in a certain you, way. You even find that some players come up from, say, on the ninth dance and they're playing first team football and then you, you bring them back down to the ninth dance and they've no interest in the ninth dance. Hmm. You know, they don't want to be there. It's like, well, I'm good enough to be here. I shouldn't be there. So you, you see fellas... Menta- uh, men- You're looking yeah, for how they react to how they react yeah. to it. Some of them just no interest and don't want to be there, don't want to play for them. And that's those are the players that you don't want. You need mm. to just move them on. Because interesting, even Aaron Bulger at Rovers, who would Doing have been his the first, well, yeah, but he was a first team player towards the end of last season, and then wasn't really involved, you know, to start of this year. But he's come in now. You were raving I, about him. I, I think he, I think he's got he's he's a great player. I mean, he's got such ability and potential. I mean, Stephen Bradley's quote afterwards describing him as a nasty little fucker, like you know, a direct quote. And you're like, whoa. But it was a compliment. Yeah. But I mean there was a there was a, a great moment in the game where I don't know if you remember it, where he came in to a fifty fifty with Conor McCormick and it's one of these where you realise from si- five seconds away, well this is going to be yeah, a proper collision yeah. here. And I mean Bulger went through with it and took the ball and came away from it and you're thinking, yeah, like he's like he's 18 and yes he was able to handle himself but what I also like about him as well there's times where the ball comes to him and there was one moment where it's like have a shot from 25 yards and he's not he knows sometimes when to slow it down a bit or when to you know what pass to pick and um, I mean as Bradley said it looked like he played 400 games you know whereas some of the lads he played against probably had uh, but at the same time he also had Greg Bulger with him as well you talk about sort of the Just contrast like well, it, yeah. it, you know, it was a very good present and Finn ahead of him a small bit but Ah, uh, listen. Like he's he's tiny, you know, yeah, and he's very and people small. there will be this view. Uh, you just know that people from say overseas will look at him and go, "God, he's he's a small lad." Almost the Wes syndrome to a point. I'll be he's he's a bit deeper and a, a slightly different player to Wes. But I mean, well, he's for, an underage international. For, yeah, as well. yeah, I mean, I think I think anyone looking at him would say, "Okay, you know, he's part of an Irish midfield that played in the European Championship finals last year." Again, wasn't remember, he? remember they played against Germany, and yeah. I mean that Irish team looked tiny compared to the German team that were monsters, you know. 
but he's 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 gone up to 19's level. Although I think he had a suspension again. Like he has a he has a red card streak in him as well. Yeah. They will probably have to be, last year. Yeah, they will yeah. probably have to be curbed to a point. But at the same time, I mean Bradley's point, and I don't know how you feel about this. Owen, that he he felt that ultimately you want all your good mid- midfielders. To have that bit of a nasty yeah, streak in them. Especially the sitting midfielders. Yeah. You know, to be aggressive, to be strong. As I said, we had Glenn Crown over the time, Paul Keegan. You know, we had players that, you know, if something, a battle's going on in the midfield, they're going to win it. And yeah. I think, uh, is it right you say, he has that in him, like, you know? Just on that, like, the, I was really taken by Rovers on Monday night, and they played effectively four centre midfielders in the central area on, which was interesting. So the two Bulgers sat, and then Finn and, and Burke roamed, but they were fairly solid, four centre midfielders. And I, I thought, I actually spoke to Shane Keegan about it, and he said, we tried that a bit at Galway last year, and he, th- he said, I think it's a great formation. But if Rovers play like they did Monday night, Dan, anyway, I, I, I think they'll be... I think they'd be very, very good because Rovers were, were they were worth the three 0 win. I thought they actually were. Maybe Cork could have score, but do you, are you aware of that formation? Yeah, where you, you've a block the, up. They go three at the back and there's two wing two wing back. It's yeah, kind of a five four, four one yeah. if you're playing slightly yeah. better team. And your two midfielders have to get on to pass the front man or mm. be up supporting them. So yeah, it's a, it's a good formation, but there's also you know what are the flaws? It depends of on the players. Well, they leave the gaps down the side. You know, you have no winger to track your. You air fullback say getting mm. forward, so there is flaws in it. But if you're at home and you're competent enough to do, and you have the players to do it by all means, like you work for Shamrock Rovers, but you could go out against Dundalk, and Dundalk could exploit that, you know, and mm. which they have done over the over the course of the season. If we talked about Watts, got to talk about uh, Burke as well. Uh, another unbelievable goal, Des. Yeah, just sensation. I mean, just it's just like you know anywhere now. 25 30 yards right foot and you see you Wrong see foot, th- yeah. the strike is so clean it's obviously technique it's obviously something he's born with I, i'm not sure if you're not born with that if you can actually train yourself to be that good to strike a ball that well but it's something for opposition managers and everyone now to keep an eye on because they know that he can do it and even even in the the derby and not not a goal but the cross for dan carr oh, yeah you know, he took. I think he took one touch. Did he even take a touch? Did he just on the half volley, yeah. and he dropped and it he right worked, on his foot. Um, he worked very hard. I thought off the ball Monday night as well. But he's just when he has the ball, he generally just doesn't give it away. Yeah, and it, that, that's such a good asset. Like because he's always going to attract players to him because he's like, oh, it's Burke, so we have to get tight. But he finds someone. He's so good on under. Martin O'Neill was watching Dan. And I was like, God, he must be <laughs> must be appalled by this. Like, <laughs> no. You're such a cynic, John. You're no, such that's a cynic. right. Like, yeah. but, okay. But I think the, the one thing, the one thing I would say <clears> about that system, it's probably suits Ronan Finn a small yeah. lot more too. Yeah. That, like when you think of when Finn was his yeah. be, his best season, you know, for the dog was probably his last season, and he was like breaking forward and making these runs. And the start of the season, it was him and Bulger a bit deep, or Greg Bulger like a bit mm. deep. Whereas now the two Bulgers are there, and Finn is sort of encouraged. And there was a, he made a mad sort of seventy yard run. I don't know if you remember at mm. one stage to relieve pressure on the team. And he just looks happier in that. So they probably have found something that suits their midfield players. Now, as you say, other teams are going to then hit them in the wide area. They'll play them dark or something now. And you can just imagine them dark will be looking at that going, right, you know, they can exploit that. But it certainly seems to have worked. And Cork didn't really, you know, they didn't react with that. Let me ask you all this question then. If we're looking at Shamrock Rovers and everyone's very positive about them at the moment. But (laughs) with the caveat, as you said, that this can change. They lose the Pats on Friday, they'll be in crisis again. No, they're one, two, three, four. They're fifth in the table, 15 games played and 21 points. If they're to finish higher then, looking at the four teams above them, who's going to drop below them? 
Given the way that Derry are playing, the way that Waterford are playing, and Derry unbelievable at the Brandywell. Yeah. You don't see Waterford last in the, I, last well, in the pace. I, I, I think the Rovers board will be happy enough them finishing top four. And the Rovers team and the way they played on Monday night just cannot but have a very good end of the season. I'm not sure I, I'm Waterford not have I'm the not doubting depth. they won't I play well and continue mm, on. It's yeah. a question of who, who would drop back. Uh, this, uh, just to kind of uh, expand on that point, right... Derry got a nil all. Derry drew against Just Dundalk. Just the question. <laughs> well, well, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> Not an easy question, yeah. to be fair. Derry, Derry <laughs> drew in Dundalk away, right? So then Rovers went to Derry and were, were by far the better team. And then the following day beat Cork. Meanwhile, Cork had just beaten Dundalk. Oh, we're getting into collateral form here. Right, my man. question is: it what a two is your horse answer? Race? Is it a two-horse? Oh, it's still a two-horse race. It's not a two-horse it race. Is, it it's is. not. It's one hundred percent. It can't be a two-horse race. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It cannot be. I'll tell you why it'll be a two-horse race. It's well, not a two-horse race. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going. Up. Well, I think I think Derry would be the most likely to drop back. The teams in turn and forth have a few problems. Derry are probably going to lose Roland Curtis in the summer, who's an important player for them. They have a lot of other young players who they could potentially ha- face interest. Waterford are going to lose Vigoru, the keeper. Uh, they're going to lose uh, Dufus, potentially. I still think they probably have the, the funds there probably to strengthen in the summer as well. Uh, I think Derry could be hit by if they lost a couple of their players. So I think Derry would be the more vulnerable one, I have to say, of those. And I think... But you know, those clubs are going to face a bit of uncertainty in the summer, whereas Dundalk and Cork aren't really going to face that. And they've got strong enough squads that are able to cope with a, a couple of losses. If so they to- tone so down the form into the into the winter, into the transfer window, and then pick up again when yeah, it closes. Yeah, well, I, think, you know, I just think Dundalk and Cork aren't going to be weakened in the summer by, by things that happen, whereas there's a very good chance that Waterford and, and Derry might be. What do you make of it, Owen? To be honest, I think, what, as you're rightly saying, Waterford can easily invest in it. You know, um, Derry... I don't know, but the new the new pitch they have up there, I think teams will struggle as well up there mm. on that Astro. Why do you say like that, that, actually? They're not kind of half used to now playing No, well, yeah, it's... Look, I look at the Dundalk's pitch. Over the years, we've all complained about it. Now, obviously, Derry's is a far better one, but... Well, the, well they're the, the, the same now, I think, more or less. The new Dundalk one is pretty much the same as Derry's, I think. No, well, I don't know, but... Um, better than the old the one. The Derry yeah. one seems to be held in higher regard. Yeah, I, I think Derry's far better. And the ball will move quick, and they're training mm. on it constantly. So I think they'll have the upper edge when teams do go up there. But I can't see Derry drop out, to be honest with you. They started off poorly, but they've constantly got stronger and stronger. What are they, five wins and one draw and six home league games or something like that? But this is the real problem for Rovers, that there's no guarantee they're going to finish in the top four, even if they get the... They've played a lot of games... You know they've they've lost six games already. Like this is the this is the frustration. It's the, games, it's the games that they've lost is is the ones that you think it's not only the top teams. It was Breda beating them, yeah. Bowles uh, beating them. Yeah. You know, yeah, Stephen Bradley was they could lose to Dundalk and Cork yeah. very reasonably yeah. later in the season, and then you're up to like nine, ten defeats, and exactly. it's, it's hard for them to. They're going to have to win a lot of games. Is like, it that Cork and Dundalk will prove more consistent against yeah, the over other the course teams of the season? Yeah, I definitely think yeah. so. And definitely they have a gap; so. they would have a big gap in Rovers. But um, will Rovers lose, Bur- lose Burke in July? Well, that's. I mean, he seems quite happy at home here, but I think it's inevitable he's going to get attention. Like, I don't, it depends how Rovers play it. I'm not sure what his contractual situation actually is. I'm not sure if he's one of those. They were, they were certainly making efforts last year to tie him down, but I'm not sure. I'm, but I'm not sure if he's one of those players that they lose him for free or something. You know, at the end of the year, um, and that's obviously the dilemma they would face. They will face interest for him, I guess. You know, he is someone who has spoken about the fact that that and Stephen Bradley maybe has said it that he wondered was he really suited to the English lower leagues. You know, the, and I don't think he was probably mentally. Is, 
in a great place at the time when he was at Notts County. Um, but you just wonder what sub clubs look at his CV. You know, some people in England can be dismissive and say, "Ah, sure, it didn't really happen from Notts County." And mm. you kind of wonder what level of interest he's gonna he's gonna get. But if he I mean, he's got like he's not even a an out and out striker and he's got nine goals already, so I'm pretty sure he's gonna have clubs. Where is he? Inter- yeah, where, where? But Bulger. I mean, there'll be there'll be people over to yeah. look at Bulger now and and too small. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> some people will have that view. Where where is Burke in terms of the most talented players you've seen in the League of Ireland? You know, all your years covering it. Uh, he's up there. I'm, I'm only going off people who play with him. And like, do we have James Chambers in here? We've mentioned it before. He said he played five aside with him, and he felt his touches were as good as any. And he was referencing Mark Quigley and you know some of the very gifted players. And I think uh, even in the Rovers, McPhail, Duff. Uh, you know, fives that they have that apparently Burke holds his own. I mean, here, he, <laughs> here, here he's not in there. Well, I suppose Joey and those springs to mind, and Wes springs yeah. to mind. Um, well, as actually, the, Paddy McCourt, you know, Tony the, Sheridan. Yeah, Burke played with us, oh, uh, well trained with us at Bowes. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, he was with us at, at Bowes doing training, and uh, you could see then you're talking about strikes. He's been doing that for a long time, even yeah. in training. Then he was doing it, so uh, he is a quality player. But look, I obviously say with the likes of Wes and Joe are. Far more ahead of him. Who did you? Uh, I think it was one of the questions that came in. Was there a winger that you uh, least enjoyed playing against? I know they might have. It might have been a direct type of player. I don't know what type of player you actually didn't <laughs> you like. Say no. You're saying no straight. <laughs> <in. laughs> like, I loved them no, all. As I said, the only person that you know, I, I wouldn't say he troubled me, but the other one who'd give you a good game every week would be Ali Cattle. Yeah. Not for a. Is great. He wasn't aggressive or anything like that, but he was just constantly, constantly up and down. Go. That was the only one. The others, like he'd always mark James Keddie, Mark Rutherford give you problems but I think for Ollie, it was just, as I say every time he got the ball he was always going forward 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 you know you see a lot of wingers now who get the ball don't want to take on the full back pass it back pass it inside and wait for a bit of space to run into and there are fewer wingers in the game because a lot of teams are playing different systems yeah there's now. different no systems four, now know, yeah. not many 4 4 twos. but a lot of the wingers were always back uh, back defending they were, they were hiding they, yeah, they, were, they, were, hiding they were always back defending <laughs> would you, defend, would you play against you? Paddy McCord would McCord Paddy ever, McCord yeah but he would be a different type of challenge yeah, yeah. 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 So it's how did you like that type? Would you would you chase Pass after him? Pass him into Jim Crawford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look after him. He'll take care of him. But even James McLean. Yeah. You know, again, a good player, and that's when I was coming towards the enemy career, and you see him whizzing by, and that's when I knew hang up the boots really? because he was really, really good. Who's and the best right back in the league at the moment? At the moment, well, I think Gannon is. We spoke moment. about this Dan recently that he hadn't gotten a move to England, and we we thought like I think Dan, you brought up Owen Harry back in the day would have obviously been. Merited a move potentially as well. Is it that he's right back that he didn't get a move? Or I think once he's enjoying he his football, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's, he's too worried about and it. And actually, on that as well, it was great to see Watts saying on Soccer Republic, geez, I'd, I'd like to move to Spain. I'd nearly prefer that thing more or less. I was that's so refreshing. But did, did you get to a stage when you're 26, 27 that you're, you were just making that much money here, you know, that you didn't yeah. need to join it? You didn't yeah. need to go. Like, yeah. but I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I think the money back then was very good. Like, so yeah. it wasn't a case of. You know, you're getting pittance and you say, oh, I'll go over there and get him. Back here, money was decent. I was enjoying my football. It was full time. Everything was going for us. So there was no need for me to say, oh, I want to go. They asked me if I wanted to go to England. I said, no, it was grand. Mm. You know, Do you want so to go to his new boozer? In, um, I'll, I'll definitely go over yeah. there, drop over there, yeah. Yeah. But would you, you, would, you, would, it, would it have been like only then championship only or something? Would it have had to be a, a, a massive offer to make you think uh, about it? Like, Yeah, but well, I mean, I, I was asked to go and play in Holland. I was asked to, um, with, with Stockport County and things like that. And, Never really appealed to me as much, you know, because I said I was having a good, well, good living here. What was here the Holland move, actually? Uh, I signed a contract team for Willem Till. Long, mm. was, I tell you how long it was, 19 years ago. 19 so years which was ago. when you were about 23? I was only, yeah, I was only 22. Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, it just, it just didn't appeal to me at the time. So there was no point and, you know, it took off and we won a lot as well. So that was another thing that was 
We're going well because we're winning stuff. Do you yeah. see? Do you see shells getting back in the to, Premier? Well, not just to the Premier, but being up there challenging for a Premier title within I don't know how many oh, years. Well, it's it's hard to say. It definitely wouldn't be like Waterford, you yeah. know, uh, saying pumping money and get promotion, and then all of a sudden they're up challenging this year. Definitely can't see that over the next maybe five, six years. The first so thing I think is just try to get into the Premier and then try and maintain your Premier Division So you'd, you'd be happy enough, obviously, that, well, firstly, the playoffs are back this year. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's la- a good Last thing year was just, well, it, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was cruel, wasn't it, on, on everyone else. But even Cole finished Waterford. so close yeah. last year, you know, behind Waterford and did nothing for it. Yeah. You know, no playoffs. And no having nothing. been in the playoffs, weren't Cove in the playoffs the year before? The year I think before, they were yeah. So they've had two great seasons and now this year... They're struggling know, they're a, struggling a, bit, a like, bit like... Actually, that. that'll bring us to the first division results which were Cove losing 3-0 in Galway and Drogheda won, Shells won. Um, I can't remember. Somebody told me one of the teams really didn't deserve to get a draw there. Was that you or Drogheda? Or was it... No, no, both teams. It was actually... Yeah. Well, it might have been... The they sent your that. mate up. You know, the mate you're bringing over. We could have <laughs> him up there. The Longford... Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The Longford Harfs game. This is the, the maddest stat I've seen uh, all season. Second half. Longford had 17 shots on goal. Harps had won. And the score in the half was 1-0 to Harps. <laughs> and I think it was a mistake from the keeper. Yeah, it was yeah. a howler. Yeah. I, I, I spoke to two League of Ireland managers who were at the game and they couldn't get over how Longford absolutely dominated the game. And UCD, you would have been hoping there they might drop points because Wexford gave yeah. them a battle, but they won 3-2. Yeah, and again, Wexford could have got something out of the game right at the end. Mm. Um, you know, UCD, they have a settled team over the last three, four years. And I expect, you know, you're talking about players going. I expect Georgie. UCD might lose a, a few players. No, George, Georgie Dun- Kelly's on the way, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a good player. How he good is he, actually? He's, he's very good. He's good striker, strong, mm. holds her up well. His movement is very good. Um, but they've also got Slug and Gary O'Neill in the middle of the park who could potentially yeah. move as well, you know, that might weaken him. They're coming towards the end of their degrees, though. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the thing. The you can't touch them, as yeah. I said earlier, with the scholarships. And yeah. now they're coming towards the end of it, so teams will be looking to, to pick them up. Yeah. It's not this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a big, it's a big week this week, actually, when you look at the fixtures. Shells, UCD, and Finn Harps playing Drogheda as well. Yeah, every, every week there's, there's a top of the table clashes, like, you know, because of the fact of it's a small 10 team league. So, you know, we had Longford against Finn Harps last week, us against Drogheda. If it was against UCD this week, it was against Finn Harps next week. So it's going to be a tight league, you know. Um, as I said, UCD probably the more settled team out of everyone. Surprised that Galway, you know, yeah. that if they haven't done as they well. They were my, I actually thought they might win. Well, the funny thing is, if, if they beat, they win their game in hand, which is against Harps, I think, on Monday, like, they're actually pretty much Join second. second like, so yeah. it's not, it's, they haven't really played that well so far, but they're actually, like, if you're talking about five or six teams that are going to be going for the top four places, four places, yeah, yeah obviously want to win the league, um, it looks very, very open. Yeah, like oh, really it definitely open. is. But I mean, with Galway being full time and things like that, you'd expect them that they would have been really, you know, pushing on and things. But it hasn't happened. And you know, us beating them there yeah, two weeks ago was a good win for us, especially at home. Moves us on a little bit, and I think it gives everyone confidence around the league that most teams are beatable in it. I don't think they're particularly full time, but they they've kind of a, a little bit of they and they were very poor in the shells game. I think this is probably is the this worst. It's the Kenny Shields. Are you saying yeah. 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 Are you well, saying they're poor? Against us, or were you not saying that we were better than them? Uh, I thought. What would you like? I, I thought Shells were, were good, but I thought Galway United were dreadful on the night. Really, so uh, that's two, two bad so goals. They didn't two play bad dreadful goals because of the fact that we played Shell, good. Shell, yeah, Shells were good. Yeah, yeah, Shells were good. Um, <laughs> Can you decide this? Like, yeah. Ryan Conley has a he has he has his job off the pitch is uh, he grooms dog hair. <laughs> That's no word of a lie. Um, so that's one fellow I can think of who has a job. If that he grooms called. dogs or dog hair, dogs hair. 
Right. Like he's a dog hair groomer. I assume the hair is on the dog. Yeah, time. Hope, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hair of the dog. <laughs> Had a few of them in our time then. But, um, Too many, John. Wh- what do you make the standard? Wait, 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 wait. go back, go back. How what? does that tie in with, with what we're talking about? He's time. trying to say he's walking, but he's got to the training in the morning. In the morning. Yeah, so technically. So he goes full time. Yeah. So the dog, Kenny the, the dog business in the afternoon then. Yeah, I don't know when he does the dog business. Right. He does it. Well, no, you brought it up. I'm just curious yeah. now. Uh, getting back to the dogs the wouldn't be working. So they would be free in the evening. You know, yeah, they're, they're strictly part time. Yeah, <laughs> my local has gone very dog friendly, Dan. It's lost its way. Every time I go in there now, two or three dogs in the place. You know, and uh, I actually you wouldn't know what they say about Johnny. To be <laughs> the dogs. Uh, what's the standard like on? Um, You've been down there a little bit longer than you'd like maybe at this stage. What's the standard like at the moment? There seem to be a lot of good players there. There, there is a lot of good players. Um, pitches aren't great. But, you know, we played Cabin Teeley there two weeks ago and I went up a couple of days beforehand to look at the pitch and the rugby goals are still up. Mm. You know, uh, The fourth official that day was Tom Conley who, when I was managing Bowes, called the game off against Rovers. The And I'm looking at this pitch and uh, you know, Cabin Teeley where the, the rugby goals were down there and you could pick sods up everywhere all over the pitch and how is it will be played I don't know but um, you know it's beneficial more to, to Cabin Teeley obviously because they're used to it but football shouldn't be played on it uh, and then you're looking at our pitch is perfect uh, Longford's is good like you know the rest of the standards have been good but if this is part of the licence I don't know why it's allowed to happen but the standard the players that is there are very good like you know they want to pass they want to play just the pitches need to be a lot better than. Are you happy? Are you happy with your with um, what you've got now this year in terms of your score? I think Davy. So you you spoke about young players and experienced players. Like you've got Lorcan Fitzgerald in, Davy uh, Davy O'Sullivan coming in up front as well. He looks. Was that the signing of the season? Maybe. Well, for one us, of them. Yeah, we we looked last year and we seen that we created a lot of chances but didn't didn't score enough goals. So Davy coming in has has added to that. He's he scored. I think he's up ten goals now this season. So if he can maintain that over the course of the season, then we're in with a shout of getting the playoffs or if not winning it. So it's trying to keep him fit. You know, the likes of James English is playing on the wing for us a bit. He's having a, a tremendous season. He's probably our player of the season so far and it's given him a new lease of life having Davy there with him. So there's no more, there's not as much pressure on James English to score all the goals. Yeah, I think we've got a tweet Shane Dawson said at last night's fans forum uh, Andrew Doyle confirmed there should be money to bring in two or three players during the break. How many of these players will be Wezzo? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I hear Wes is not coming home, no. which is a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, but, uh, the idea to have Wezzo, yeah, wouldn't it? it? Yeah, I think every nice. team would want them to. Yeah, but there might be, there might be, you might be able to strengthen in the summer. Is that yeah, I spoke to Andrew, and we said if we're there, thereabouts, you know, that we hopefully be able to bring one or two players that will strengthen strengthen the team. Uh, obviously, it depends on what players are out there. And, I mean, we don't have huge money to throw around. People, yeah. you know, need to take that on board that because an investor comes in doesn't mean that he has a, a people know, pot of gold to say yeah. Yeah. So for would us it be it's easier in theory to attract players now though? Yeah I, I would think so I would like to think so and you know you have to look around and see what players aren't playing with Premier Clubs I've seen what players you know coming from the lower levels up there you know, looking to, to play in the league, so it's a case of that's the reason why we have Dave Henderson. I was as just well going to say that's yeah. a, that's a significant department. He would have been involved, I think, in Aaron Bulger getting the Rovers and a few of those other. Yeah, he's, players. Henderson is he's great at recruiting young players. I've had him at Bowls and things like that, and you know, was, uh, he goes. To, I think there's about ten different Hendersons because he does be at every yeah. match <laughs> going. With, you know, he's <laughs> everywhere. And but there, uh, are, there actually is ten different Hendersons. Yeah, yeah, but uh, as I said, he, he writes down notes on every player, and he has, you know, he, all you have to do is ask Dave about a player, and he knows him. So for us, that's that's you know massive because I can't go around and look at players and and be there because I'm walking one one day, one from one hour in the morning to the next, and then I'm in trying the lads. So for for me, Dave doing that is uh, is crucial. I, of, I often wonder. And one one question we've asked, I think before, I've asked someone before, was um, non-league. Do you look at non-league? Do you have a presence at uh, non-league? 
Uh, as in the Leinster Senior League. Yeah, we, we have a look around, you know. I know there's a couple of players on Fushart that could easily step up into into our division. Um, and and around even our Sheriff and things like that. It's trying to get them to see the commitment mm. sometimes is too much for them. Yeah. Um, and we've seen it over the years where you bring a player up, has the potential to succeed, but... You're heading to Finn Harps on a Friday. Yeah, it, yeah you know, or the training and I can't make it. And this, it's all about commitment for them more than anything else. Yeah, the we ability should, is there though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. We should, we should move on to the preview, but even, I mean, just, just to finish up maybe on the first vision a small bit, because I do think later in the year it's got a real chance of getting some good publicity because the teams that are up there and, you know, if you think Drada, Shells, Galway, Harps are going for promotion, Longford, they'll have crowds. But on the flip side is we have the Cabin TD floodlights issue at the weekend and we have the situation at Athlone, which, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one because, I mean, they've amazingly managed to take the one point, I think, which was against Finn Harps. But um, I know you were down there playing Leinster Senior Cup. I mean, it's, it's not great. You know what's no. what's going on there at the moment, yeah. and it, it must be difficult. I think it's difficult to sell like the first division as a as a brand or however you want to phrase it when you when you have a team in, the, in that plight. In the yeah, I, well. I feel I feel sorry for Aaron Callahan down there. You know he's he's got his work cut out. He is bringing in players and he's trying to do things professionally. You know the other day they hadn't got a kit man, they hadn't got a physio. They had, you know like. He didn't have a physio. I mean that's extraordinary. That's great. Like. Yeah, it's it's and it's hard for him. But it's you know. For some reason, they know so where physio done it for both teams, which wasn't an issue, you know. But you're saying he's he's really trying his best down there, but he's not getting the support he needs, and they need to give him the support, you know. They need to say, well, look, there's your your physio, there's your kit man, there's things, and you know, walking into that. But I don't know all the problems what they have having off the other things mm. not really to do with me. It doesn't affect me. But um, you're right when people do look around and they see those issues and the floodlights and things like that, it, it doesn't look well. well. Both but at loan and like both at sorry, Owen, both at loan and Bray, they're propping up the tables and they both the both boards are tot- have totally alienated the local community completely, and that's that's simple as that. And I can't see how unless a regime change happens that it's going to change. Yeah, look at it, as I said, I, I don't know the ins and outs of, of both clubs, but mm. it's sad right. though, and it brings down the standards. So as you said, it is hard for the mm. it's hard for, for the manager the, for the first for the, yeah. and for the players. Yeah. You know, players are going down there to, to try mentally prepare for a game, and then you're getting told yeah. well, no physio to give you a rope but or a strap <clears> or <throat> or anything. Yeah. It's funny as well because you mentioned you're trying to go to guys in junior football or whatever and to travel, but I, I know some people might go. You're trying to sell it as the second highest level in the country, and then mm. this stuff yeah. is going on. That must. But you, you look a at hard the, sell. You look at the flip side of it, and the game like us against Galway is a good game. We played long for three two, good game. You know there is oh, good teams. These playoffs are going to be great. Yeah, there is the yeah. Season, you good know. stuff happening in the league. Like the Premier League, there is good stuff happening, and you have to just take that negative and maybe you know let them deal with it and keep being positive about what is happening on the pitch. I think mm. one of the most positive things come out of Shells of Lave was your coach, Dave O'Connor, doing the oh, 10 Brilliant. marathons in 10 days. Yeah. And um, what was very interesting was he did it in laps to kind of symbolise the repetitive nature of, of a mental health battle, I suppose. But, you know, you must just be... Oh, we're, we're, as a club, we're so proud of him. I mean, he's done 105 laps every day. It's amazing. You know, and the mental fatigue of running around just a running track in, in the Elsa. And he had Keelan there, one of the girls who played with, with the Shells ladies team. She's at UCD Waves now. But she was there, the two of them, um, she was helping him with the media side of it. And they managed to raise 10 grand, you know, which is a great achievement. You know, I just, I was very su- more surprised that it wasn't highlighted on the likes of RT News, you know, for what he was doing. Like, and, uh, you know, he's, he has had tough issues when he was a kid, you know, being bullied and things like that. And he come out and speak highly, or speaks about it himself, but you see where he's at now. And we were there for those last few laps as well. And you could see the mental fatigue mm. in his face when he came across the line. It would have been, made a great documentary, out. wouldn't it? It definitely would have. You know, eight months uh, it took him to prepare for it and get ready for it. And, you know, it's some achievement because I've 
I mean, if someone runs a marathon, they know what it's like. So imagine running 10. And you could do run the marathon. <laughs> I ran two laps for him, and that was enough for me. <laughs> two like, two laps know? of how many? <laughs> yeah. That's 105. It. I was following, that's like, I followed his, his, he was putting up updates like on Instagram and stuff for people. I mean, it was the, the repetitiveness. It would make you feel very inadequate. Yeah. Like it's a, you know, it's a morning <laughs> yeah. seven, yeah. and he's off to do another marathon. Like you'd be but sort of going to that the that people that came down to, that was, to that watch him. Like, like you know, there's yeah, a lot of people come in and jog around. I, I met Keith Fatty up there, and he was at. Oh, what's going on? I told him, and Keith Fatty jumped in and ran around. With oh, him, did he know? really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lad who from Monaghan who suffers with you know depression and things like that. He made his way up from Monaghan just to run a couple of laps with him. You know, I think it's a great story. Um, there was lads with Rovers jerseys, there was lads with Bowes jerseys, Shells jerseys, you know, Pats on the 19th, Jamie Moore asked me, could you run with them as a warm-up? No problem. You know, things like that. And it, I said, it brings the league so close as well. Like, you wouldn't see, I don't think you'd see in England, if Man United fell with jerseys on a run around with, mm. yeah. with Liverpool, it, it, you know. If anyone's listening from the Late Late Show or, or uh, any other show, I think it would make a great um, interview, you know, just to talk about his own battles yeah, and the definitely, help he got. You know. um, and how great you are as a, you know, somebody to work with, I suppose, as well. I have a look, we gave him the time out. Yeah. <laughs> and what about the other Dave O'Connor, your CEO and potential signing? Yeah, I'm trying, <laughs> to get him, I'm trying to get him to get the, back, the boots back on, but uh, he's, he's no interest in playing. Like, I didn't realise he's only 26. Mad, yeah. You know, and to give up football at so young, young an age, it's, I, I think it's, it's for him, it's, I don't know, I can't even put it into words because uh, at, that, at such a young age, good potential, playing with Rovers full-time last year with Limerick, and then just a knock around. You've been in on that, Dan, haven't you? Well, no, I, I spoke to him a, a while back, you know, about it. And uh, yeah, it's strange. Like, I met him one day just out in, uh, I think it was Blanchardstown. He was going around with this, like, notepad. And But at the time, he, like, the Shells thing wasn't on the radar at that mm. stage. I think the Shells thing might have arose from him doing a bit of publicity on his situation. And, and it sort of went from there. But at that stage, he was just going around interviewing sort of maybe tech jobs or, you know, stuff in town. And then almost, it's just strange. Like he was looking for a job in the business world. It just so happened that it's come up in football, which is just a bit yeah. bonkers the way it's, it's, it's turned out. Like he's, he's probably doing an element of what he wanted to do, but the fact he's around a football environment, it's, surely it would make you miss it more. Apparently, I think if you give it a clean break and you go into the yeah, city as such. Like, it's you because know? he hasn't played football in a, in a while that, you know, he doesn't miss it. And I told him, if he joins in training, you'll find out how much you miss it. Like, yeah, you know, I yeah. found out, and I don't know what that is with you, but before I played 35s, I, I stopped completely. No interest in playing. And it's only Stephen Gagan says to me, come out up and do a bit of training. But I went up, training was knocked on the head, there was a match on, and he asked me to join in. So uh, when I did, you just get that bug back. You're mm. back. Yeah. Best mm. over 35 team in the country, isn't it? Uh, last year we were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 before we get to the preview, very briefly, how are you with things at Chelsea at the moment in general? You're positive about the future? Yeah, definitely. You know, as I said, uh, with everyone coming on board, I think they're, they're pushing in the one direction and that's to get the, the club up into the Premier Division. So, yeah, we're definitely looking forward and, and keep pushing forward. Sad about leaving Talca? Yeah, but I don't, look, it hasn't happened yet and mightn't happen for another four or five years, so things can change in that meantime. But definitely, I think Talca is one of the better grounds in the, in the country. You I, know? I just I was thinking that the other night when I was there. I was like, geez, this used to be... There's some atmosphere there on great nights yeah. as well. Like. I got stuck in... When you, you know where you get stuck in YouTube? Like I, was, mm. I was looking up something on the, the Shells Deportivo game last night, actually. It's very little footage of it on YouTube. It's only like highlights packages. But I ended up being drawn back to like a Shells Rovers game mm. from 1994. It came up as one of the suggested hits. And you're sort of looking at it going, 
and the ground looks exactly the same. Yeah, you know, yeah. But like, what a but yeah. what a great venue it was yeah. then. Yeah. But it, and the crowd are, are right on top, you yeah. know, and, and the atmosphere that that it creates. Like I remember, Bowls or Rovers or Pats or River in the far stand, and it was packed. And yeah, I remember Richie Bay. Yeah, yeah, the Riverside would be the uh, yeah exactly when you have the bigger Dublin clubs yeah. going there yeah. would be. I remember when Richie Baker went to the States over to New England Revolution or something. Was it? I remember I met him. And when he'd come back and I asked him about, you know, being over there versus being over here. And he said, it was so bizarre because they played in it was Gillette Stadium or one of those 60,000. Mm. And he said, you know, they might get 10,000 at the game, which would be a great crowd normally, you know, compared to what he'd been used to playing with over here. But he said, you know, you'd have a family in the stand with their back to the game, having a bit of a barbecue or something. Mm. He said <laughs> he really missed Talca Park because the abuse was right next <laughs> to him every yeah. time. You know, yeah. it was three feet away from him. And he said he actually missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll move on to the fixtures. We'll start off the first division. Athlone versus Go United. Huge Go United away support in envisaging uh, going to Athlone. Um, probably to give them a few badly needed bob as well. Shelburne against UCD. Uh, you lost that game, didn't you, the two correspondent? Yeah, uh, two yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. no, I wasn't trying to wind up. I was no, just no, trying to remember. Yeah. Just like having a pop all the time. Doing all right at the moment. You're up to up to third. Um, Finn <laughs> Thanks very much. Finn, <laughs> nice, isn't it? Yeah. Finn Harps against Drogheda. Uh, I, I'd fancy I'd fancy Drogheda there. The way things are going at Harps. Um, but we we shall see. Wexford against Cabin Teeley. and you feel with Cabin Teeley that they need to pick up a win or two to kind of keep in touch because. Feasibly, nearly any team apart from Atlone could finish in the top four if something mad happened, I suppose. And then Cove against Longford Town uh, on the Saturday night. Dan, not good last week at all. We Pat Fenlon got two from five. I got zero. I got zero. Zero is That's very, pathetic. very bad now. One Strictly is as I'd outperformed it a week before. But I'm out of form like at the moment. Not, don't have the consistency. That's Bray the Wanderers like. against Derry City on Friday night. Shamrock Rovers visit St. Patrick's. Watford hosts Dundalk. Cork City hosts Limerick on Saturday and Sligo Rovers play Bohemians. Um, so let's start off with uh, Bray versus Derry. Um, this is the thing, Dan. The Bray revival, it either has stopped or just hasn't happened. They've actually lost against some of the weaker teams. Yeah, I think you lost a few quid in this corresponding fixture last year. Probably shouldn't bring oh, that up yeah, again. yeah. Shouldn't yeah, bring that up. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's funny though. I was following the reports of Limerick-Derry the other day and it sounded like Derry started really slowly and actually Limerick were a better side for 25 minutes and yet still Derry still went and won. 3-0 um, and yeah the Brave revival just hasn't happened you mentioned about injuries and you know the, like Aaron Green has got a bad enough injury I mean it's a bad enough injury anyway but in, in this season you end up missing around 20 games or something you know <laughs> but in another season you'd miss sort of half that and that is the thing bad injuries at the, at the wrong time it can, can hurt you Um there we know. need to win this. Like, Bray have had touch. Martin Russell there. I mean, let's you know mm. he has been there. Like trying to pretend he's not been there. Like he's been in the dugout. He's been, it's been his team really for the last couple of weeks. He can't put any spin in it, and they got the response against Rovers, and then they've they've lost you know a couple of matches. And um, the Sligo loss was pretty tame. Yeah, they've lost the teams around them. They've lost mm. the, like, six uh, goals, lads. You know, yeah. I mean that's. Yeah, that's a problem there straight away. Yeah, you know? I, I fancy Derry to go. I fancy Derry to go and, and, and win the game. Derry nearly have to win this because it's a good pitch. They're playing well. They should just exert their kind of superior quality. Is that fair enough, Des? And they've Cork and Dundalk coming up after the League Cup. Mm. So yeah, it's important to get this. I think they will. Yeah. Kenny Shields will say after those three games that he thought they'd win none of them. <laughs> um, because of some other strange reason, I'm going for a home away win. Rather, I'm going to get you on the predictions as well, Owen. Don't, don't you're not, not there. Not left out. Dairy, dairy Straightforward. Yeah. Nice. Good Pats and snappy. Rovers. Pats and Rovers. Uh, Dan, will you be at this game? I will be. I will be. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, so, think this will be an absolute belter. The way the way Rovers played on Monday night. Pitches in great nick. Um, Pats playing fa- fascinating or fabulous football. Fascinating even. football. Fascinating <laughs> football. Uh, Jay Keegan among the goals. Call it Dan. 
But I thought we we were starting to praise Pats for being a bit more defensively solid this year, and then then they conceded five and a half. And but it sounds like they could have conceded five in the other half. Like, but you isn't, know. isn't this the next game now where all of a sudden it becomes defensive, and you say, okay, look, whatever we do, we're getting yeah. a clean sheet. Yeah, I, sort of, I fancy a draw in this game. I think you might just, uh, as much as like you could look at Rovers on Monday and think, yeah, they've they've clicked. Um, I just have a feeling that Pats you'll get a much sharper Pats form. They also still like they rested one or two players on Monday. I need to check the team from last night. They took a couple of players out of it, and Garvin's been missing a bit He's as been well, injured, yeah. which has been a bit of a loss. Um, I yeah, I think Pats might just get. I think you know the way Rovers. If Rovers stick with the same system, I think Pats have good midfielders too that should be able to compete against them. And I'll go for a, maybe an entertaining stalemate if there is such a thing. Uh, was the win over Cork the turning point in the Bradley? Rain or no? Um, for the reasons mentioned earlier, I don't think I don't think we can say that. I think because week to week, I think this can change and will change. So the signs are positive. I mean, you have a bad run. He said, you know, he said, you know, if you have a bad week or something, there are so many games now in the space of eight days, you could have three bad games, and all of a sudden you're you're a bad team. But they're not. Um, whether it's a turning point or not, I don't know. Like I mentioned earlier, there's four teams above them who are going well. Mm. So, you know, Rovers have to have to find a consistent run now. They have to put, like, you know, four, five, six wins together. Will they be Pats? Uh, a, uh, a good score draw, I think, for me. I want to go for an away win. I'd probably rue this, but a away win thought Rovers were brilliant on Monday night. Definitely, I think Rovers will beat them. Um, no, oh, that, that, I like there's that. No, there's no point just talking, saying yeah. oh, because of this, because of that. I'll just give you this straight. We'll, we'll okay, I like that. Yeah. Okay, we'll, right. We'll have you Waterford on Dundalk or... away win. I'm going to go for an away win. Waterford Dundalk. See, away one, win. I'm just trying to give a definitive <laughs> answer. I actually, yeah. think you haven't done that for the last year. <laughs> but uh, Waterford Dundalk, yeah. Uh, Waterford are good, but the Waterford um, everyone back at this stage. Bar. A bore, I wouldn't be bad. Uh, yeah, I need, I need to check. Is there any additional ones coming <laughs> in from the previous? Well, Webster would probably be. Webster might still be out, wouldn't he? Anyway, yeah, we need to figure it out. But the Kenny Brown's still out, is he? Well, the Brown is, was playing through fractured ribs, mm, which yeah. is sort of admirable stuff. But uh, I just think the pitch down in RSC, you know, should be able to use some of their wide players. And yeah, away win for me. Yeah, me too. Draw for me. Draw. A uh, lot of harmony so far. Right, Cork versus Limerick. I mean, we're talking about confidence. You were mentioning on what you would do with the back four there. They're playing a team who. Really can't score at all. Um, I think they've, what are they, five, six goals? Something like that? Seven league goals. Seven. Um, this looks the greatest certainty of all time, but um, okay, let's just, we're all going for a home win on that, I presume. Are we? Yeah. 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 And Sligo against uh, Bowes is the last game in, in the... Two former Harry clubs, of course, yeah. Yeah. One. One former. <laughs> playing was. Well, man- <laughs> managerial wise. Oh, I thought you meant playing was. A bit of selective amnesia there. <laughs> no, 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 I thought you meant playing, that's all. <laughs> um, actually, on, on Dinny Corcoran, because he hasn't had a great season, you brought him to um, Sligo, didn't you? Yeah. Um, is it just a case of confidence with him at the moment, you think? Or I know he's had injury problems as well. Yeah, no, Dinny, Dinny will definitely score goals. There's no doubt about it. He's uh, has ever little injury he had. Like, even at Sligo, he scored goals, you know. Um, I think he'll bounce back once he gets over the injury. If he's, from what I heard, he's been playing with it as well, like at times, but it's not going to help him. Mm, yeah. Um, so once he gets through that, and I think he has now at the moment, I think fully fit, Dinny Corcoran will definitely get him goals. And he'll get balls up the table, I've no doubt about that either. And Keith Long might get him an extra few goals as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah whatever yeah. it takes. Will he get them a win on Sligo on Saturday? I think I think Bowles will get the turning point already on uh, in that game. I think um, as I said they're playing very well, so just not getting the results. And I think this week will be that that chance to, to turn that around. Lock of the week for me, Dan. 
Bowes away win. You think? Yeah, I think Sligo have a, have a fair bit of confidence. I, I think Bowes are playing really, really well. You think Sligo have a fair bit of confidence? Yeah, their results are fine at the moment, yeah. yeah. They've... They beat um, obviously beat Bray. They had a good point in Waterford, but they had a good point in Waterford and beat Bray. So they've you yeah. know they've been going in. They're 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 okay at the moment. Um, and Pincelli scored the other night as well. And um, they need goals like they, their home record has to improve. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't five know, I don't know why that is really. But I yeah. I think I don't know. Teams sit back against them at home. It's like I don't offer much going forward. But I think Bows are one of the best teams in the league at the moment, apart from not being able to score. Do you know what the other, really do well. you know the other bizarre thing is for, for as well as they're saying both have one clean sheet mm, all they, season. That's true as well. And, and they've conceded first in I think it was mm. I thought it was Paul Dollery mm. maybe fifteen out of seventeen games or something. Wow, they played the conceded first or something. Missed you know? a few penalties along the way, but anyway, way win for me. I'm gonna go for a draw. I'm gonna go for a draw. I, I still I I just can't be fully confident that Bowes are gonna go somewhere and like you know get that definitive. Victory, but wouldn't it be great to see Dylan Watts playing for like Real Sociedad or something like that as well? Yeah, <laughs> give us an excuse to go to. This is my prediction. I don't. Come on, Des, get, get it out no, of the way. Do you know Come what? Sligo are, Sligo are the team that I haven't seen live yet this season, yeah, so I'm a bit reluctant to, to speak on them. Just on a Bose point of view, if he goes with um, Stokes, Corcoran, Ward, if he picks all of them, all those attacking players, and, and Watts and Oscar Brennan seems to be back in as well, mm. or Dan Byrne, I think they've got enough going forward. And do you know what? I think that one of those games... Like Is that the going forward in terms of attacking or that horrible phrase? No, 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 attacking. Forward, yeah, yeah, I don't like the other, I don't like the other <laughs> phrase. Corporate speak. I, I think... Mm. Um, I think do you know what? They'll, they'll have a night where they, they click as well, I think, Bose. They, they, they're playing that... They have enough attacking players. Whether it'll be this one, I don't know. But I think... I'll reserve judgment as I say because I haven't seen Sligo live yet. Over to that, you, that Owen was a draw. Stokes. That was a draw. That, that was <laughs> so a draw. Over to you, Owen Stokes. You know, don't mind Dinny. Owen Stokes has to start scoring goals. I think I'm going to put a little bit of pressure on him. He's come out my way as well. I think. Is he? So yeah, we'll good player. Him. Yeah. I, I, the quality, I think the all of them have to start scoring. Don't they? You know, yeah, absolutely. The halves have to start absolutely. The midfielder, so. Yeah. It's not just the, the forward line. I'd say they absolutely love playing with Watts and Lunny and Ward and all them, but they're probably like, yeah, I kind of need to start winning games. Those are, you know, th- I think that's it. Dan. a few any other tweets or oh, observations? A few other tweets. I don't know. What brought you to Blanchard Sound that time, by the way, when you met? Oh, um, oh I was interviewing David Connor. It was an arranged. Okay, <laughs> I met him. In so you didn't bump into him. <laughs> I thought I didn't bump into I thought him. I was in the shopping centre. No, 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 uh, no. It was an arranged meeting. Uh, great yeah. to get some first vision. There input. was a few questions thrown, but I mean, I mean, as I said, some of them were probably abusive. Um, yeah. but there was a few questions for Des as well about: Is it true you were once a you're better cricket player than a footballer? No, well? I know, I know who sending that in. No, no, there was like several people sent that's that in. That's just as well. that's the lads in work. No, really, we're in, oh, just yeah, a bit okay. of messing it's going on. Like unprofessional, yeah. but um, yeah, is that is yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of actually. These are all just personal jokes aimed towards you. Asking Owen who was the best player you've ever played with, I've uh, always said that Wes Hulahan. Really? better yeah. than Joey and Doe. Yeah, wow. was better, yeah. Oh, oh, we we forgot to mention the League Cup, um, League Cup quarter final coming up, yeah, yeah, against Dirty. Yeah, on, uh, that's why you tipped Dirty earlier. <laughs> yeah, keep them sweet. Yeah, what do you make sweet. of Kenny Shields? I, I, you know, I spoke to Kenny a, a lot of the times, and uh, I think he's very good when he comes across. You know, I think he's he thinks out what he's going to say as well he's not just putting it out there oh definitely you know? we got through a whole show without mentioning the boy McAniff who's like second top scorer I think this season yeah eight, up to eight penalties count penalties yeah count. he's getting his share of penalties <laughs> um, of course they count everything counts <laughs> but who's going to win top score Dan I'm we we were at, we did a little few bow and sadly yeah and Michael Duffy as well Michael but Duffy yeah. yeah I think Huben is still looking he's looking good looking at the moment because yeah. he's taking penalties and he's a striker for a team that's going to win a lot of games so he's and he's, he's less likely to Burke leave now. as well whereas yeah. Burke might yeah. so that was uh, the twelfth episode of season two and uh, thanks for the lads for coming in and enjoy whatever game you're at at the weekend and hopefully uh, we shall chat to you next week for episode thirty. The king of the field shot himself in the
life.